Aloha, guys, and welcome to Degree Free. We are your hosts, Ryan and Hannah Mariyama. On this podcast, we share fundamentals we've discovered and the mistakes we've made while self-educating, getting work, building businesses, and making money. We'll tell you how to make it happen. No degree needed. Hey, everybody. If you're new, welcome to the podcast. If you're not new, then hey, good to see you again. If you are looking for directions on how to do the things we've talked about in previous podcasts or after you listen to this one, you are re-listening because you like it so much and you want some guidance on how to go about getting work, starting a business, or basically just trying to figure out what you can do instead of go to college, you can check out our guide. It is on degreefreenetwork.com. And if you're not interested in doing that, you can continue to listen along to the podcast. And we do talk over pretty much every principle that's in the guide. Um, And you can feel free to take notes and use uh, YouTube University and Reddit and Google as you see fit. And without further ado, let's get into today's topic. All right, guys, let's get into today's topic. Today, we're going to be talking about the different types of businesses to start. This is a, something that we get asked all the time is, what are some ideas for businesses to start? A lot of times people come to us and they're thinking about not going to college or they made the decision not to go and they're assessing their options of what different things to do, whether or not that's just getting a job in a field that they want to or the field that they think they want to get into or going to school to do something else, going to like a trade school or going to take an online courses. One of those things is starting businesses. A lot of people want to start businesses and you don't need to go to college to start a business. And so today we're not really going to be talking about the how to start a business. That's probably going to be another episode for later. Mostly we're just talking about the ideas of businesses and kind of high level execution and kind of the mistakes that we've made when we were running, when we were first running ours, when we were first, when we were first building our businesses. And man, we have done some dumb stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. We made a lot of, <laughs> we, we, we made a lot of mistakes and we continue to make mistakes. We're, we're still, we're still, we just make them faster now. We're still growing. Yeah. Do we make yeah i guess so yeah it's not really that we make less we just make them faster (coughs) and we stop making them quicker i think yeah yeah i think definitely i think so it gets the more the longer you do it the better you get at analyzing whether or not it was a mistake and the faster you can course correct that's something that took us a long time to learn and we're still learning it to this day We, we make mistakes all the time every day we make mistakes so uh, a big part of this too is I think what, what I've noticed is when people have been asking us about this recently, usually they have an idea and they're just not really sure what to do with it or even where to classify it. And so because they're not really sure where to classify it or what sort of category uh, the business idea is in, they don't really know how to move forward. I find that there's basically two types of people um, that want to start businesses and and want to be entrepreneurs there are people that are overwhelmed and scared and don't know where to start and then there are people who are way ready to bite off a ton more than they can chew and you and i have been both of those things we kind of want to talk to those two groups of people so i guess just to jump kind of right into it a lot of people come to us with the idea of wanting to start a business and the idea of Oh, I have this, I have this idea. I have this, like, I'm thinking about doing whatever you, you, 
you name it, right? I'm thinking about selling this or I'm thinking about becoming a massage therapist. I'm thinking about uh, doing eyebrows, thinking about selling vintage clothes. You name it, we've heard it. And a lot of what people think when they come to us is they're like, oh, well, when am I going to know if it's time to quit my job? Or like, yeah, that's the first question. Or it's like, or should I quit my, or like, yeah, I should probably quit my job, right? Like I should probably quit my job and then just work on this full time and then I can, I can like grow it that much faster. And then we both have to quietly go, that's not a good idea. When what I'd like to do is, no, don't do that. Yeah. That's the, a terrible idea. If you're thinking about doing that, don't you dare quit your job to start a business that you have not proven, that you've never taken money for. That is not a good idea. It's just not. It's not a good idea because you don't know yet. You need proof before you jump. The reason I say this too is because Ryan and I have done this. We have done this. We have made this mistake. It was to this day one of the absolute dumbest things that we ever did, which is we paid for me to learn a skill and then we decided that we were going to start a business where I was going to perform this skill, so a service. Um, and instead of working and starting to get clients and perform the service as I started to get more clients and then I could, I could work and then do clients in the meantime, instead of doing that, I quit. I didn't get a job and I just decided to do that full time. When you do that, what you do is you back yourself into a corner because you now don't have money coming in and you need money desperately and now money is going out the door. So all these three things happen at one time because you need money for marketing and supplies and getting a place. You um, And then uh, you can't make as clear decisions because you don't have money and you're spending money at the same time. And that creates a sort of desperation that I feel destines a lot of businesses to fail. I think that that I think that that has a lot to do with why so many of them fail. To be honest, is people just they want they think that pouring all their time in at the beginning is a good idea when in fact it's not. You need to dip your toe in the pool before you jump all the way in because um, if you're putting all of your time into something that's not paying you for your time, you're kind of wasting it. You're wasting your time when you could be earning money and instead growing in a way that you're growing your business and then you put in the time when your time is actually worth more to the business. I realized that was kind of a complicated explanation, but. Basically don't quit your job. What, what we're basically, what you wanna do, I think what is one of the best ways to do, especially if you're trying, especially if you're doing a business that you've never done before, as we said, if, if you're pre-revenue, you're really pre-execution, you're in the idea phase, it's definitely, it, it seems glamorous and it seems like for a lot of people, and we've talked to a lot of people about this, it seems like this is the next step that you have to do in order to, in order to realize your dreams. In order to realize your dreams, you have to quit your job. I'm going to make this massive statement to myself and to those around me. And I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not going to give myself the life raft. I'm going to jump off this boat. And I'm just going to learn how to swim. Like it's proving your commitment to it. And that is one of the toughest things to do. And it's tough because of exactly all the reasons that Hannah said before. So I think a better way of doing it. And one of the ways that we do it now, even, even now, we, we, still do, we still do this. And the things that we tell people to do now is basically just run little baby experiments. Is basically just start very small. 
whether or not you're starting a service business, whether or not you're selling stuff online, whether or not you're going to uh, go ahead and get something ma- manufactured and then sell it you know, at your local swap meet, whatever, whatever the business idea is, work on it in your free time. Keep your day job, keep your night job, pay the bills, the freedom and the security, the freedom and the security that you get from having that steady income and knowing that your bases are covered is massive because of exactly what you said, Uh, being able to not have your back against the wall. When we did this, so we did this, right? We we paid, for those that don't know, we own a paramedical tattoo shop here in Honolulu, Hawaii. When we were first starting out, Hannah, we paid for her to get, to get trained. And then at that time, she quit her job. I wasn't making enough money to support both of us at the time. And that really backed us into a corner. Wait, did you quit your job? You got fired. No, no, we got, uh, I got us. So a humble story. I got Ryan and I both fired by running my mouth. Um, We were both working at the same place. And instead, so it was a series of bad decisions. It was that. And then uh, this was a huge period of growth in my life personally. But I got us both fired. And then um, after that happened, I got trained. And then without, Ryan had just started a new job. I was just starting a new career. A sales sales. I had never... I had never sold anything before. I didn't know the sales process. I didn't understand how to sell anything. I didn't even understand the product that I was selling really. And it was different for me. I mean, I was good at it. Luckily, I made, because it was sales, it was all commission. And because I was okay at it, I made money pretty quickly. He did very good. Yeah, and the first few checks were enough to... Lull us into a false sense of security. To hold us over for a little while. And then I stopped making sales or, or I didn't make as, sales, as many sales as, as the beginning as I did. But at that time you had already quit. You had, well, you were still, you had been fired and you're still unemployed. And we decided um, for me, we decided that I was not going to get a job. And I was not on unemployment, by the way, at this point. The, like, I, I was not on unemployment. No, no, you were not. But I was just decided. I was yeah, unemployed. You were not employed. Yeah, but but uh, what I'm saying too is like, I decided to make zero money. And instead, I decided to spend money to try to make money in a time when we were probably the most financially exposed we've ever been. And that is the equivalent of like a get rich quick scheme. Business owning, especially at the beginning, is not glamorous. It is not fast. It is painful. It is long. The hours are exhausting and you need money for everything because money fixes all of your small business problems. The easiest way to get money is to get a job and then build your business. I remember distinctly too during this time, and Ryan's heard me tell this story quite a few times, um, but I remember watching, I was watching Shark Tank at someone's house and I heard, and, and I was I, I don't remember who she was talking to, but Barbara Corcoran was, was talking to uh, the owner of one of these businesses. And she pointed out to the person that they weren't making any money and she told them that they needed to get a job because she, at one point, when her company, her business needed money, what did she do? And this this lady was running a much more, there is no comparison between me and this lady who's running an extremely successful company. And she looked at it and she goes, well, I need money, which means I need a job. So she went and she got a job 
to feed her company, essentially. And that was a real turning point for me personally, because that that when I saw that, I was just so humbled. And it just taught me a huge lesson, which is who do I think I am to not work when I have this thing that requires money in order to succeed? And I had the audacity to say, well, you know, I'm I can I can build this without money and I can build this in a way that is not financially responsible. It's not to say that people don't do that. It's not to say that you can't. It's just way harder. In my opinion, it's very stressful. Yeah, it's it's unneeded stress. It's irresponsible to spend money if you're not making money. That is definitely irresponsible to spend money if you're spending money. In many ways, it's going to be more stressful. You're going to see, possibly you're going to see less growth in the beginning because you're not going to have as much time to work on it, on your idea, on your business. You're going to have to work nights. You're going to have to work weekends. You're going to have to, one of the things that we realized in this time was just the attitude towards time management. One of the things that you're going to have to master in order to start a business is time management. You're going to have to make time. Back then, I definitely didn't have any time. I felt like I didn't have any time. But then I look back on those days, I was nowhere near as busy or as productive than I am today. And that has all that has everything to do with time management. That has everything to do with making time. You know, actually those days where I would be working on I'd be working my sales job, come home, and then I would be right to marketing our business online, building our websites, learning, teaching myself, teaching myself how to build websites, teaching myself how to market, teaching myself SEO, everything, everything that we needed to do in order to get our first clients. And I think that that even though it's more difficult, takes more time, and for a lot of people is harder because you got families, you have jobs, you have obligations. You got to make it happen. It's not easy. It's not easy, but it's simple. Work your full-time job, work on your business on the side. A few points, but first a question, which is something I noticed is that when I do have a job, um, and I think part of that too is that I wasn't, um, I was a much more inexperienced entrepreneur prior when I've been in the situation, but uh, when I was working a job, there's a distinct difference between the times when I worked a job and worked on the business and the times when I just worked on the business. And I found that I'm actually much more productive when I am working and I have less time, probably because there's a limit to the amount of time that I have. So I feel like I have less. So I feel like I have to get more done. Do you think that there's something to that? Absolutely. Uh, same example. I feel the same exact way, but in it, so instead of using the same example for me, for me, I saw a massive increase. So for those that don't know, I did go to college. I did get my degree. I got my degree in economics. So I'm a big hypocrite sitting here telling people that, you know, you don't have to get a degree if you don't, if, if it's not necessary, so you're not obligated to go to college. Okay. So all that's being said, I had this, I had this moment in my sophomore year of college that we've talked about before is that we, I went to college, but I was working full time as a, server, busser, bartender. I'm not sure what I was doing at the time, but I was working full-time throughout college in the restaurant industry. And I was only taking a few classes 
my freshman and sophomore year, and I just couldn't hold it together. I couldn't get good grades. Just couldn't do it. And then summer of sophomore year, I made the decision, okay, I'm either going to quit school or I'm going to get A's from here on out or get A's and B's. I think I got, I think I got, I ended up getting one B or something like that or one, <gasps> yeah, one B or one C or something like that. Did, was I, was I, did they react <gasps> dramatic enough? Afterwards. One, one, one B. One B or one C, like after, but it doesn't matter. Who cares, right? I, have, I couldn't tell you. And the thing was, I noticed that, so then, because I was slacking off, in order to graduate in four years, I needed to add on even more classes. So I added on even more classes, still work full time, and I was able to get more done, be more be more productive, and I felt like I had I had more time to study, I had more time to be at work, and then I had more time to hang out with my friends. It was the weirdest thing, and that was just me getting better at time management. And so it's sim- out of necessity, out of necessity, right? Similar, similar. So just to bring it all back about businesses, we'll get off our soapbox, but we just wanted to tell that we wanted to tell those stories just because it's something that we hear all the time. This is something literally, I mean, I'm, when we say all the time, I mean, I just had a conversation. We just had a conversation with somebody literally this week, a couple days ago, thinking about quitting his job to start a business. That they, they always say, "I want to quit my job and start a business." That they've no. never that they've never done before. They don't know the demographics. They don't know how to. They don't know how to monetize a business. They've never we, taken a dollar from anyone. Super interesting is that, like, in in five to ten minutes, in five to ten minutes, we could think of more ways to bring income into that type of business than they than they they were like, "Oh, I want to start a business," and it was like, "Okay, well, how are you going to make money?" And then you and I in five to ten minutes. We just we were just spouting off ideas of, of how this person can make revenue, but they hadn't even thought about that. And I was like, "Buddy, don't quit your job." Not yet. Yeah, not yet. Not until not until one you've taken a, That's the biggest thing is taking a dollar. You have to take money. You do not quit your job. Do not quit your job to pursue your business if you've never taken a dollar for whatever that business is. You have no proof. You don't even have one dollar. You don't even have a George Washington's worth of proof. Um, So you need to do that first. But okay, so today, really seriously, guys, we're going to talk about uh, the main types of businesses that you can start. And those are going to be paper, restaurants, hotels, railroads. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Okay, so we've realized that there's a pattern. There are typically three types of businesses, business ideas that people usually come up with that are low barrier to entry, pretty simple, and you can definitely 100% teach to yourself uh, pretty quickly. And those are going to be services businesses, which is where you're doing something for someone for money. There are uh, physical sales where you're reselling or you're ordering from uh, from a manufacturer and then you're drop shipping or you're physically selling something on the side of the street in a stand or at a swap meet or something like that. And then there's digital sales and that can be a lot of things that could be courses or ebooks or anything like that. Uh, but we tend to feel like these are the three that people tend to tend to come up with. I would say the most rare one is actually the online businesses. I think that that is the last one people usually come up with. Usually the first one is a service or re- or, or sell or physical sales. These are the most common that we hear then absolutely I think the information or digital products definitely uh, online products are definitely one of the, the things that we hear the least of. 
And I think it has a lot to do with having the entrepreneurial creativity in order to think of something like that. That's so intimidating. Right, but just to think of it. You know, a lot of people don't even know that that you can make money that way. A lot of people don't know that you can make money through information, that you can sell digital products, that you can do like a, a SaaS business, software as a service. The thing that we normally recommend people do, the easiest thing to do is start a services business. That is, you're not reinventing the wheel. You're, no, it you're, literally is the wheel. <laughs> you're trading you're trading time for money. That's and that you do that every day at your job. And that it's very easy for people to get their heads around. When I say people, I mean your potential clients, the people that are potentially gonna pay you to do the job. So if you're thinking about doing a service such as photography or videography, that's that's the business you want to start. Okay, it's pretty simple to buy a camera or use the cameras that you have charge somebody to take photos, charge somebody to take videos, edit it, and then send it to them. That's super simple. That is as basic of a business as it gets. It is also, services business is also one of the quickest ways in general to make money, to be cash flow positive. I think, I think a lot of people too, when they think of services businesses though, they think of fairly prohibitive ones. So they think of massage therapists where you have to be certified and go to school. They think of nail techs. They think of photographers where you have to have an amount of technical knowledge. What we're talking about is as basic as you can be. There are services businesses that hang photos in elderly people's homes because they can't do it themselves. There are services businesses, a lot of people would, wouldn't realize this, but Instacart would be a great example of that. You buy somebody's groceries and you take it to them. Uh, this is cleaning people's homes. Again, you don't need any amount of skill to do this. You need skill to market it and grow it and, and do everything like that. But but like like physical sales, you don't need a skill to, to really do that. You just need a thing that people want to buy. And that's true of services. You need a service that people want to buy. Um, and, and that can be anything. Absolutely. You just Cre need hands. And not uh, even that sometimes. <laughs> you just you just need somebody to pay you for it. Whatever it is, whether or not whether or not you're hanging elderly, uh, whether or not you're hanging photos for the elderly, or whether or not you're going door to door to wash cars. I actually remember I met a guy. I was out golfing. There is a local car wash down the road from where we live, and they and I remember him talking to me while we were golfing about how he started his car wash business. And now, four years later, he can golf every day. He's done. That's awesome. But it started with him working a regular job. And then on his free time, he would go around neighborhoods, literally with a bucket and soap, and ask people if they want their cars washed. People think that you need a lot of things. They think you need business cards. They think you need a uniform. They need, uh, let, let's take um, let's take that or a cleaner, for example. They think, oh well, I need like I need a professional vacuum. I need a professional hose. I need a this. No, you don't. You need hands, and it, you probably need soap, and you probably need a bucket and a rag. That's it. I think people tend to overcomplicate what they need to get started. I think it's partially out of fear. And I also think it's partially just because they just don't, they don't realize that you need so little to start a business. You need so little to do something that someone will pay you for. Absolutely. And then with the proliferation of, um, 
it's never been easier to start a business because there there are things a lot of before it used to be so difficult to get merchant services merchant services are like being able to accept credit cards and things like that nowadays it's so easy to accept credit cards it's so easy to accept payment it's so easy to look legitimate to be legitimate you you don't ha even have to start an LLC if you don't want to. I mean, maybe maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. I don't know. Talk to a business lawyer. Not tax right? advice. Yeah, right, exactly. <clears throat> not a financial advisor. Not a tax lawyer. <laughs> um, but you know, many times you can just start walking around, walking across the street, taking money for whatever it is that you're doing, taking photos or video, as I talked about before. The technology nowadays, you can use something like Square. You can use something like PayPal. You can use stripe if you're going online and it completely allows you to take credit card payments to take debit card payments and legitimize your business you don't always have to take cash you don't always have to take check and that helps to bolster the brand it makes it and it makes the ease of business that that much easier which is huge because in order to get traditional merchant services from banks before it was difficult because you needed a certain amount of revenue in order for it to for them to even look at you because they wanted to make sure that they were going to make money off of you. Yeah, they weren't interested in these small these small transactions, but now micropayments. The world is your oyster. Right. And so that's it. That, that's pretty much it for services. It's you can do anything that you want. You can be as creative as you need to or as uncreative Absolutely. A lot of the services businesses that are easiest to start are the most boring thing you can think of. And that also being said, check your local laws and everything. Make sure that you you're properly licensed. You may you don't want to you don't want to gain some traction. You don't want to gain some traction, then figure out that you're illegal. Right, and get in trouble. And get in trouble. Do your research, people. Do your research. Read a book. For the most part, though, I will say about that, as if as long as you're still, if you're still experimenting- Don't worry chances, about it too much. The chances of you getting caught for something like that is probably pretty minimal. Not legal advice. Not legal advice. That being said, the chances of you getting caught, probably pretty minimal. So weigh the, weigh the risks and rewards of whether or not you know, like a good example. So just as an example, in Hawaii, in order to be a general contractor, you have to have a license. In other states, that's not necessary. That's not necessary. If you don't have that license, you can only charge up to a certain dollar amount and you're technically not a contractor. You're a handyman. And then so that's a, just a good example. That's just a good example of knowing your local laws and and how you can how you can bill and how much you can bill and and to keep yourself no, above board above board, knowing your licensure, all of that good stuff. But as far as services, the world is your oyster. It's going to be tough because you're working because you're working a full time job, or we hope you're working a full time job. We hope that you're working, and then on top of it, you have to you actually have to market your business. And then what's tough about the service business, and we know from personal experience, not only do you have to market your business, but then you actually have to do it. Yep. So you're actually, eventually what it turns into is it turns into three jobs, really. You work your regular job, then you market your business, that's a full-time job, and then you actually have to do the business, assuming that you 
hopefully you get busy enough to where you get clients to pay you to do it is whatever it is that you're charging to do. And that's another full-time job. So it's difficult. We, we do it. It's our business. Now we own our primary, our primary business is a services business. It, yeah. It's difficult, but it's doable. Mm-hmm. Difficult, but doable. And you just gotta, you just gotta work hard. Just gotta work hard. It's just a lot of work. It's a lot of work. There's really no way around it. Um, it's good though. It's good, and you know there is some security in that. And eventually, if you're good and you do good work, you're gonna get you're gonna get word of mouth too, which is powerful for services business. All right, and then uh, the next one is gonna be physical sales. And I think Ryan, can you tell people about the books? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. So when we first started, when we first started, when Hannah and I first started our entrepreneurial journey, we started with, we tried to drop ship things online. It's where if people don't know what drop shipping is, drop shipping is where I set up a website, you come to my website, you order it from me, I get your order, I get your money. And on the back end, I order it from a distributor and the distributor sends it to you. And so I'm basically playing a middleman. We found that that was difficult, not exactly what we wanted to do. We weren't very good at it. Plus we didn't like the customer experience. We didn't like the customer experience that we didn't have control over where our products went and how, and, and how they were handled. We didn't have, they weren't our products. We didn't have product or quality control and we didn't like that. So back to the drawing board. And so what happened for what happened for us is that I started to look online about how else like what what other products could I sell in order to make money. How did you find this originally too? I can't remember. Did you see it on was it on Reddit? Where did you read about I'm it? I'm not sure. I forget. Cuz it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a CNBC article, was it? No. It was... So I'm not sure. So anyway, I figure I I figured out either through reading or a video or so whatever that the next thing that we were going to try that I was going to try was buying and selling used goods. Specifically what I ended up getting into was buying and selling used books. And at the time we were living in Georgia and we had a number of thrift stores around us that sold books for pretty nominal amounts. It was like, I don't know what it was, but it was 25 cents maybe for a paperback and like 50 cents for a hardcover, like 50 cents for a paperback and then a dollar for a hardcover, something like that. And you could get discounts some days of the week too. Some days of the week. Yeah. So it was relatively cheap. My cost basis was really, was relatively cheap. And then Amazon had an app that you can basically scan the books, scan the barcode, and it immediately tells you how much it's worth. And I was like, well, that's a no brainer. I'm just going to do that. And so before I knew it, I ended up getting deep into it where I was going, I was scouring, I hadn't thought about this in a really long time, where I was scouring every single local thrift store about two, three times a week, maybe not every single one, but I was definitely going about three to four times a week to different bookstores throughout the counties, the surrounding counties, 
And yard sales and book sales. Yard sales, book sales. And I was just scanning. I was scanning to see what would make us money. Because it, it instantly showed us what it, what what we could sell it for. I was like, all right, we'll try that. It ended up being pretty successful. And you got to know your shipping costs too. That's the other thing. Yeah, absolutely. So he would just do the mental math when he sees the number that it at know, the beginning. The, yeah. At the beginning, and eventually, there's apps that you can there's apps you can get on your phone. Um, and then eventually, I got I got I got pretty into it. I ended up I ended up doing it. It was enough money through more than a few months. It was enough money for me to stop working and do it full time. I didn't do that, but it was enough money to do it to do that. You we, could have. I could have. Yeah. We made thousands of dollars a month doing that. That's no joke. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was now, not now, a joke. Now that I think about it, now I mean, our our house was full of books, and I was the thing that the That's thing not that, the worst thing. Yeah, well, the thing that we ran into the, the the problem with that was was the distribution. The distribution was difficult, so we would get an order, and then I'd have to ship it out the next day or that day, and then, or we'd have to ship a bunch of them to. Amazon, Amazon's warehouse so that they could ship it out when, when an order, it's a big, it's a whole big thing. I, it's definitely, that's just a good example though. That's a roundabout good example of selling physical products where you're not reinventing the wheel. I didn't need massive creativity for that. I didn't need to It was really smart though. And you did find it. It was, it was, it was smart. I think that there are still people that do it. I'm, I'm sure that there are people that still do it uh, now. I'm sure that it's still very profitable. Textbooks are freaking super expensive. Some of, the some of the textbooks, when you'd get them, you'd scan it and they would be for sale for a dollar or less. And it'd be like $70. Yeah. Or, what? Or like a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. Like a thing. Can we get the one, one for like 140 or I something? Think my yeah. I think my, I think my best one is a couple hundred, you know? And it was just oh, like, that's right. It was that I mean, weird was, collectible sure. paperback. I remember. I'm not sure. And it's but but multiple multiple times I made over a hundred dollars off of off of it more than hundred x my do, my my one dollar. That being said, it's not super sustainable because in that in that field, you're you are your inventory. It's almost even though it is a selling business, it's almost like you're providing a service because the inventory is so sporadic and you can't count on it because you're counting what you're counting on is you're counting on the yeah. generosity of other people to give away their books that's what you're and then also there's such a low barrier to entry in that anybody can go buy at the time there was like a $200 scanner that scanned it bluetooth scanner Anybody can buy them $30 a month app on their phone and then do exactly the same thing. Many times while I was thrifting, many, many times I ran into the competition and the competition was doing the exact same thing. You knew because we shot You're out of place. Yeah. You just look different. You look weird. I mean, I have a freaking cart. I have a freaking cart that's full of books and nothing else. And I literally just go. I and go, you have headphones on. I have headphones on too. I literally just go there and I scan every single book, don't miss a single book, and then I, I leave with a freaking cart full of books. Anyone, anytime you go in a thrift store, this is just one of those things. Anytime you go in a thrift store 
if you see somebody in a thrift store with headphones on, I would say 80 to 90% of the time that person is a reseller of some kind. And if you're curious, watch what they're doing because we also buy and sell vintage clothing and I do the same thing. When I'm looking, I put on headphones and I do that so that I can focus on what I'm doing and so people don't ask me questions when I am purchasing things that look strange. So if you're ever in a thrift store and you notice that somebody is in there with headphones on and they look like they're doing something that's a little out of the ordinary, watch what they're doing because that might give you a good idea. Yeah. So that's just a really that's just a really long-winded way of saying that you don't have to you don't have to think when we talk to the, when we talk to people about it when they're talking about physical goods, a lot of people immediately go to manufacturing. A lot of people immediately go to handmade items which is terrifying too and that's because that's a big deal manufacturing is terrifying yeah because so many unknowns so many unknowns you have to you have to you have to hold inventory you've got you've you've got a you've got a hold you have to usually your manufacturer requires a minimum order and that mean that mean that means capital so and if you're and if you're drop shipping cheap things oftentimes uh there's a language barrier which is also extremely intimidating well that's just drop shipping and that's not manufacturing but yeah that's yeah. Di- different but yeah um one of the things that's very common nowadays a very common thing to do is open up etsy stores you can sell prints on etsy you can sell there are ways to do print on demand you can you can start an apparel company without ever having to store any inventory which we've done also it's the same thing it's basically the same thing so print on demand is basically the same thing as drop shipping it's where you come up with the design you can come so you can start a, you can start a, you can start an entire apparel company without ever holding inventory and you don't have to and that's that's the difficult part about apparel is holding inventory and then because you have so many sizes you have so many sizes small medium large extra large extra small extra extra large Uh, it's crazy we'll go into this uh, in in more depth i'm sure in its own episode because it's it's kind of a hilarious story but at one point we did buy we did hold inventory for one item um, it was the same item. It was all the same size. We bought two different styles, which I think in hindsight was probably a mistake. Uh, but what we, we thought we were being very reasonable because we thought this was in the beginning of our journey, but we were like, huh, it's just too hard with the sizing. You can't hold t-shirts in sizing because you can never know which ones are going to sell. So instead we bought hats. Uh, the problem with that is that Holding inventory is just a crapshoot if you don't know what you're doing. We had no numbers. We had no idea of demand. We had never proofed the concept before we did it. Um, And I think now if we do it, we would probably try to take pre-orders for that. But we just bought so much inventory of these hats. It was crazy. Um, So it's very scary because you're outlaying money before you've made any money. That was exactly what I was going to start talking about next, which was which was what a lot of people do. So if you don't want to start an Etsy store where you're selling prints or you're selling print-on-demand stuff, or if you don't want to start a website where you're, do, where you're doing that uh, print-on-demand or stickers or patches or things like that, you can start to think about taking pre-orders. So come up with some marketing material, whatever it is that you want to buy, say you want to say, or whatever it is that you want to sell. Say you want to start selling custom phone cases 
make a couple of custom phone cases, take some good pictures, have your friend that knows some videography and photography help you make some make some marketing material and then make a website, put it on your Instagram and then put it on a website and say, hey, look, I'm selling, I'm pre-selling these items. I think for a lot of people that's really intimidating, even if it, even the marketing material Yes, he's right. Take photos and stuff like that. But if you're if that sounds intimidating to you, if you if you hear marketing and your brain just kind of shuts down because you don't even know what that means and that overwhelms you, take photos and video and post it on Facebook and Instagram and just say to the people that already follow you, does anyone want to pre-order one of these? I'm making them and they'll the you know, I'm trying to make them in the next whatever weeks. Message me for message me to get one. And then right there, you just make sure that you make sure that you take pre-orders that your sales price is enough to cover the production costs. And right there, if you get some pre-orders, then you can go ahead and order it. And now you've immediately made money. You're, you've made revenue and then, you've imme- then you go buy it, give it to them, you've made money. And that's one of the most effective ways to test, just run a test. It costs very little money. It just costs. It just costs some time, costs some knowledge of setting up websites, of setting up payment systems on your website. Nowadays, it's so easy though. Like I said, Stripe, Facebook. You can pay on Facebook. You can. You pay, don't even have to you leave can take, Facebook or Instagram. You can take. You can, you take, can do it through Instagram. You can take. Cut, you can take payment through Venmo if you wanted to. The, it, really, you're just trying to. You're really just trying to test the waters here. One one last thing that we supposed to say about just talking about apparel because it's one of the one of the most common things that we do here uh, that people want to they want to start selling shirts or they want to start selling whatever bibs uh, or baby clothes or ba- whatever baby clothes about apparel what, what hannah was talking about before is about well the, the difficult thing about that is is the sizing and so if you can if you can one of the easiest things that you could do for yourself if you haven't thought of an idea or if you're still looking for an idea and you're going to hold inventory, if you do have a little bit of capital, if you have a little bit of money to throw at this thing, okay, instead of buying small, medium, large, extra large of these shirts or of these pants or whatever, maybe maybe think about selling one size fits all. Maybe think about selling. We had a friend that, that sold patches. That's so smart because they weigh nothing and you can send them in an envelope Send the shipping costs are absolutely nothing. They fit everyone. They fit everyone. It goes on anything. And so they got it manufactured. At, at first, he made the design. He could sew it. So he made the design. He did it. All He did it. He made it. Then he computerized it. He sent it to a factory. The factory printed out. The factory put out, I don't know, 100, 1,000, however much. But it came in a freaking box that was enough, very, very small very easy to ship all of those they shipped it to his house he he held all the inventory but it didn't matter because it only took up a little shelf in his room and then when he got orders he just took one out put it in an envelope and then sent it on its way mm-hmm. and that was that's super cheap thinking about shipping costs thinking about one size fits all those are the probably a really good place to get started if you're thinking about holding inventory so things that don't take up Things that aren't heavy and don't take up a lot of room because that means that when you ship them, they are not going to be heavy and they're not going to take up a lot of room. Uh, Jewelry is another good one. Earrings, things like that. Small things. 
if it fits in the palm of your hand, that's a really good rule of, that's literally a rule of thumb right there. But, but try something small first or one size fits all. Okay. Uh, the last thing it kind of, it's kind of a little bit like the last one, um, which is online or digital sales. So with that, uh, there's a lot of different forms for this now. This is more accessible than it's ever been. Even I think about even years ago when we started, it's, and Shopify was around then, you know, but it's way more accessible. Like Etsy has gotten so much more sophisticated since we started our Etsy store. There are so many platforms that you can use to create websites and sell digital products or sell things online. You can pay people to make apps. Again, I know this sounds intimidating, but you can pay people to make apps. You can pay people to make application games. Uh, you can pay people to... Um, you can pay people to make things, the informational products that you sell online. You can design uh, something that Ryan just taught me the other day is low content. What is it? Low content product? Low content, low content books. There we go. So basically that's like a journal or a calendar or a writing prompt a day book. Yeah, where, that's, that's more physical goods, but you could do it. We sell it online. With, but, you could, but you could do it with, with online stuff. You could sell it as a PDF. Yeah. So one of the things I think with, with online is going to be like, digital things i think a lot of what people think about when they when they come to us a lot of them are talking about kind of what we talked about already is selling physical goods online which is still physical sales mm -hmm. i think what a lot of people don't know about and what, and kind of what i wanted to touch on here is is selling natively digital products or natively digital things can you define uh, natively digital the things that are things that only live online things that are born online and that live online and things that you sell online so these things could be guides they could be courses they could be just information another business another business that's that's very popular it takes a lot of it takes a, it takes a lot of learning it takes a lot of know-how just like any other business though one of those things is like affiliate marketing you can you can do an entire business where you actually don't sell anything you all, it's your entire business to just route traffic to the things, to the places where they end up selling and the, and Amazon or whoever's selling the physical, whoever's selling that product at the end, they're willing to pay you for that because it's, because they didn't have to market to get, to get that customer. And so there's a lot of ways to skin the cat on the digital stuff. And I think it's just something that is getting more popular now. But when you for when you're first starting out, you don't have that. You're just not even aware that those things exist. A good example of this is mommy bloggers who, when they do, uh, here are the ten things that I bought for my baby. Every single one of those things is getting her paid. If you buy the item or you go to the site where that item is, which is really cool. That's a great example of that's a great example of a digital product. That's a great example of a digital product. Another one. Uh, would be as Ryan was just saying about uh, courses and guides and and instructional things. So anything that you know how to do that somebody else might want to learn how to do. A good example is we know someone who uh, they had a business, it didn't work out, but they made courses. And so now they sell a course on how to make courses, online courses. Course inception. So meta. But yeah, so the thing is, though, I think that that is probably the most successful thing she's ever done because a lot of people now are making online courses. So to make this actionable for you, if you're listening, whatever a good a good rule for you to follow if you're looking for your thing 
would be to figure out what other people ask you how to do. Do people ask you uh, like how to teach them calligraphy, or do you do you play guitar? I have a friend who is a speech language pathologist, and I told her that she should make a course that teaches adults how to fix uh, fix some of their some of their verbal tics so they can work better in the workplace. That's a great example of that. But it's people who wouldn't realize that they have a valuable skill that other people want to would love to have that knowledge that you have and and do those practices. This could be as simple as a course on how to journal every day. And it could be it could be as simple as that. It could also be as simple as finding a niche and then just making YouTube videos on it. That in and of itself is a business. Yeah, you don't have to be an expert in it. You don't it. have to make how-to videos. You don't have to make courses. You don't have to make guides. You can just create a channel on YouTube, create a following, and then get paid by ads. Eventually, you're going to probably be, you're going to go into the affiliate marketing side of it as well. You're, you're, you're going to reach out into other arms. But just to start, you know, if that's, if that, that's an idea as well, to just start making YouTube content. A good example of that is uh, just to give somebody inspiration would be there is a YouTuber who I occasionally, I can't help but click on these videos sometimes, but all she does is she's really self-educated about Victorian and Edwardian fashion. And she critiques movies where they do elaborate costumes. And as a result of that, now she's got sponsors. She's not, she doesn't make them. She's just interested. And so she does a lot of research and then compares and critiques the costumes that these people have made in these movies. That is her entire YouTube channel. She has millions of subscribers. She's not a professional anything, but she's very good at going, hey, look at this thing. I don't think it matches this thing. Here's why. And th- th- there's value in anything if other people are interested in it. Absolutely. And so that is, I think this is a good place to kind of start to wrap up. I think we've talked years off enough. So just to kind of, go over again the different types of businesses to start one of the easiest things that you can do one of the things you can probably do tomorrow is start a services business super simple you don't have to reinvent the wheel think about something that you can do think about something that people already ask you to do think about something that you want to do and then just go do it literally just go take money to do it all right don't quit your job please don't quit your job for the love of all that is good don't do it there's a, there are a bunch of ways that you can figure out if it's time to quit your job when you get to that point. We can talk a little bit more about that later, but for the love of all that is of good. All that is good. For the love of Barbara Corcoran, do don't not quit, quit your, your job. job. <laughs> and so and then the second thing that you can do is we can sell physical products, right? That's also not a reinventing the wheel, but it can be something as simple as like what I did in my when I first started out, which is reselling Amazon books. I mean, it's a crowded market now, but hey, I hope that gives you inspiration. Maybe you can go around and maybe you have a little bit of specific knowledge on used bicycles, Schwinn bicycles, and you go around town and you go to every garage sale, you go to every bike shop, and then you uh, go to every junkyard, buy used, buy broken down bicycles, fix them up, and then resell them, right? It could be something as simple as that. You don't have to manufacture goods. If you're thinking about, if you're thinking about manufacturing goods, maybe think about doing pre-sales first. Maybe think about getting money before you outlay money. Right. Okay. So if you're if you're hell bent on doing something where you have to get inventory, if it's apparel, maybe think about doing one size fits all. Maybe think about doing print on demand first. You can you can, you can look into there's a there's a bunch of print on demand services out there. Um, Printify, Printful, you name it, plenty. So many. 
And they print all types of things, too. They all don't just print apparels, like couch pillows, phone covers, watches, boots. You'd be surprised. Yeah, definitely. And so the, and the last thing is going to be online. So, yeah, there's the Shopify where you can open up a you can open up an Internet shop and then sell whatever you want. There's the Etsy's as well that we talked about before, but then also doing things like selling digital products, selling guides, selling courses, or even doing something like starting a YouTube channel and garnering, garnering a following that way. And then getting sponsors, getting ads, also affiliate marketing. That's, that, that's a way, that's a way to go as well. When it, you know, at one point or another, we've done all of these things mm-hmm. you know, at one point or another we have done all of these things and pr- for the rest of our life we'll probably continue to do all of these things the main thing is just go out there and start just go out there don't quit your job and start after you after you start it's ex- it's exhilarating to get your first client it's exhilarating to make your first sale it's super cool i remember i remember when we made our first sale on our on our drop shipping site, I remember when you first when you got your first client. I remember when I got my first client. I remember when we, we we sold our first book, our first T-shirt. You name it. Yeah, I remember all of our first sales, and it's just it's awesome, right? You had an idea, you you executed, and now somebody paid you for it. There is no victory like something that didn't exist before you made it exist working. It is one of the most satisfying feelings you can ever experience. It's awesome, and then after that, you know. There's all the rest of it ahead of you. You have to learn how to run the business. You have to learn how to market the business. You have to learn how to improve business processes. You have to learn how to make business processes. You name it. It's that's only the tip of the iceberg. But that and it is, takes time and money, which is why we're telling you not to quit your job. But that is such an important part of all of this. That is such an important part of all of this is just get started is just take the first steps. Doesn't matter if it's ugly, doesn't matter if it's not cool, just do it. All right, guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We uh, are glad that you came back and we hope you come back again for the next episode. If you want more information on the types of jobs you can have, other degree-free options, or how to get a job or interview for a job or start a business, uh, you can get our guide at degreefreenetwork.com. But we're also big fans of doing the research yourself. And you don't have to get it from us. You can just use what we're telling you in this podcast and, and find it for yourself. But if you do want it all in one place, it is on the website. Thank you so much again for watching. We were really glad to have you with us today. All right, you guys. Have a good one. Aloha.